You're listening to sermons from Southbridge Fellowship in Raleigh, North Carolina. We pray that today's message helps you to connect to Jesus for life change. Have you ever had an unexpected encounter? Whether it was with an old friend, uh, whether it was an enemy, a neighbor, a celebrity. Have you ever had an unexpected encounter? Maybe you're at the grocery store and you don't expect to see your pastor. And so you said to me, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I eat food. I do preach that Jesus multiplied, but at least there were five loaves. I got to have something. He's never just made a pizza appear in my freezer. Okay, this has never happened. You can pray for it. I'll tell you if it does. You ever go on vacation and then you see your next door neighbor? Hey, what are you doing here? Maybe in the lobby, someone said to you, hey, what are you doing here at church? I don't know if that's about them or about you, probably both. <laughs> I ever had a celebrity pop in? I was just looking and doing a little bit of reading for this message, some fun reading, and I saw that there's a few celebrities that like to just pop in on people and in random spots. Sometimes they're fans, sometimes they'll just photobomb people. Uh, they'll show up at a celebration where nobody knew they were going to be there, and maybe they'll use one of their skills. There was one guy who was getting married, but his mom was dying. And he did a dance with her before the wedding because he knew she wasn't going to make it to the wedding. And the dance was to Taylor Swift's song, Blank Space. His sister wrote a letter to Taylor Swift and said, could you be a part of this in some way? Maybe write a letter or a video or something. She showed up at their wedding and did a surprise. No one knew she was coming. Acoustic set of Blank Space. There you see her uh, with the bride and groom and her singing as they dance. I read a story about uh, Paul McCartney. If you don't know who that is, he was a singer and he's a songwriter for the Beatles. They're kind of famous. And he was at an event, I think it was 2012, there was a, a hurricane and lots of artists got together and we're doing a, a fundraiser. And He saw a guy, he thought it was a stagehand. It was Eddie Vedder, if you don't know who that is. Okay, most of you do. Lead vocalist and a guitar player for Pearl Jam. He is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, Rolling Stone Magazine said... Uh, that he's one of the top seven lead vocalists of all time. <laughs> but Paul McCartney didn't know, because he's so big, I guess, that he thought he was a stagehand, and he handed him his guitar and said, can you tune this for me? I would have loved to have heard what he played. Sure, I'll tune it. <laughs> probably not Stairway to Heaven, probably not. Huh. You ever had a, an unexpected encounter? Maybe even at church, where Jesus does something you didn't expect, or in another part of life. Last week, if you were here, you know that not only do we have a, a guest speaker from out of town, but we almost didn't have any water. <laughs> and uh, that Saturday for me was getting up, which I don't ever want to do, at 6.45 on a Saturday. Really? Come on. And I had to drive to Greensboro, which, love you if you're in Greensboro and you're watching. There's probably a church close to you if you hate what I'm about to say. Who wants to visit Greensboro? And so I'm driving my kid out there because she's going to play soccer. It's like 9,000 degrees outside. I'm sweating like crazy. And I get a call from Pastor John, our executive pastor, who says, hey, we might not have church tomorrow. We don't have water. I'm like, why do we need water for church? Jesus is the living water. No, I didn't say that. But <clears throat> he started to explain, well, certain needs and this kind of thing and that kind of thing. He's like, don't worry. Andrew, which oftentimes I'm talk about Andrew, he's our communications director. He's like, he's working on getting porta-potties, which I thought would be plastic, smelly, really hot, nasty, never flush toilet things. I had a, a mom come up to me last week and say, you way undersold those on that video you did. These are nicer than my house. And so, thank you, Andrew, for getting those. And so I'm like, all right, something's going to work out. We're going to send out an email. I'm like, no, 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 don't send out an email. Then no one will come to church. 
And I said, well, I'll do a video if you guys want me to do a video. They're like, all right, when are you going to be back? And so I told them. So I already know I got a reservation. I got a guest from out of town. We're hosting, trying to show some hospitality to you. I'm just driving around town, and I'm driving in from Greensboro, and North Carolina has bad drivers. I'm sorry. And so I don't know what they taught you in driver's training, but it was wrong. I'll be doing a session after first steps, if you'd like to talk about how to drive, but driving parallel on a two-lane road, you're asking people to sin, okay? <laughs> don't tempt people beyond what they can bear. This people. And so I'm driving, every time there's an opening, passing on the right. I finally got behind this one Prius. I start flashing my lights. I'm like, come on, man, slow down, speed up, just do something. He slows down, I go around him, and then he starts riding, he's driving a Prius. He starts riding up on me and flashing his lights. I'm like, are you serious? I'm a pastor, I'd get out and punch you any right. <laughs> Kids in the car, I'm trying to get home. I'm going a strong 60, because that was the speed limit. Actually, it's 80, I don't know, somewhere in that range. And I changed lanes, and I didn't see the pipe that was in the road. I hit it, I knew I hit it. And then the car started to shake, but I wasn't driving my car. I drive a Jeep, but Jeep's fun to drive. It's not fun to take further than like around town. So I'd taken my wife's car, she's welcome, <laughs> running over this pipe. She drives an SUV, and it's got all these features on it, and it starts telling me low tire pressure. What I didn't know is the tire was actually torn in two. No kidding, it's a low tire There's no tire pressure, there's not a symbol for that. So I'm still driving down the road. I look at my daughter, I said, I think we have a flat tire. The wheel's like shaking. So I pull off to the side of the road, and what am I going to do? Like, I don't even know if this car has a spare tire, much less where it's located. Not even my car. And I'm supposed to be somewhere. So I text John, I'm texting Andrew. I'm like, hey, I don't know. I'm going to have to stop at home and take a shower because I'm going to be all sweaty. And they're like, they'll think you are working on the unnatural spring that's in the middle of our campus. I'm like, that's lying. So I don't want to do that. And Gary's up here working on it. Jeff Wheeler, Elders, Vern, like all kinds of people are working on it. Not me. But all the people I know that could fix my tire are working on the spring at our church. I'm like, oh, I don't have triple A. I should call insurance. And then I remembered I had a tree down in my yard last year. I called the insurance company. They didn't call me back for three days. I can't stay here for three days. And I can't Uber. I don't even know where I am. Like, I'm so incompetent. I'm like, I'm just following the GPS. And she said at Greensboro, where to go? And I've been doing that ever since. What am I going to do? Uber, where are you at? I don't know. I got to call. Hey, can you pick me up um, somewhere between Greensboro? Just go to Greensboro, hit my address, follow it. When you see a pipe in the road, hard right. That's me. What do they say? This work truck pulls up, old phone truck, pulls off the side of the road. This guy gets out. Looks like he's been doing manual labor all day. And I said to my daughter, I said, if this was just you, you do not get out of the car. <laughs> but I'm getting out. So I got out, locked the door behind me. Hey, what's going on? Didn't know if he's going to try and rob me. I figured I'd push him into traffic, but whatever. <laughs> Says, hey, I, I figured you were in a hurry to go somewhere because who keeps driving with no tire? <laughs> Which is another thing to say, like, you're an idiot, is what he was saying to me. Says, Do you have a spare? I was like, I don't know. Let's go look. And so he found the spare. He goes, I'll help you change it. I just felt like whoever this is, I should help him out. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. And so he starts helping me change my tire. I've got a picture. His name is Chad. Uh, Invite him to come today. So Chad, if you're here, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. And a picture after the tire was changed I got of us. Here we are. Um, what neither Chad nor I expected to happen for Jesus to come into that moment. Because I didn't know why, but when he started to change the tire, 
I felt an impression in my heart. I've never had this before. Of you should give him that cooler in the back of your car. I'm like, give him a, a cooler? I had a cooler full of dry. I don't know why I packed Gatorade, water, all kinds of LaCroix, like fancy water. Anyway, we're going to a soccer. It's like just my daughter and I. Soccer things like six hours long or whatever, but still, we're going to drink a whole cooler of drinks. Why did I bring this? I didn't know why, and so I'm talking to Chad, and we're getting to know each other, and he's obviously being Jesus to me, even though he doesn't know him. Showing up and doing what he can do, and so I figured I probably should do what I can do. I'm not going to preach a whole sermon, but hey, do you go to church? And talked to him a little bit, and he had this bracelet on that says, I can do all things. It didn't say through Christ who strengthens me. He didn't have a verse on it, but I said, see your bracelet there. And he said, yeah, my grandparents told me about Jesus. I'm just getting back on my feet. I, I need to. And talked to him about you guys and what a great group of most of you are. And... Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> and we talked about Jesus and then uh, I felt like well I'll just give him some cash I'm like, that's weird to go you want a cooler and then he said well I'm getting back to my I got some friends who are homeless and they're drug addicts and I said yeah a lot of times people don't don't turn to Jesus until they hit rock bottom he goes you'd think they were at rock bottom some of them haven't showered in like six months and he goes and I try when I'm done with work to take them just some drinks or something I'm like okay there you go right. I want this cooler give him the cooler I wasn't expecting to get a flat tire, and I wasn't expecting Jesus to show up through a guy who I thought might want to rob me. <laughs> but that's what he does. Because Jesus enters in. I've titled today's message, as part one, of enter, Sent to Enter In. And we're going to see today just two points, probably, Lord willing. We'll see how the Spirit leads. Entering into a foreign world and entering into lost lives, which is what we see Jesus do in this passage. And, and I said we're focusing just on one part of one verb. We're really focusing on one word. It's the word as. What's happening in our passage, we'll read it, John chapter 20, is it's post-resurrection of Jesus. And so he's been betrayed by Judas with a kiss. That's not what a kiss is for. Peter stepped up, cut a dude's ear off. It was like, you're stealing money. Well, I got a sword. You know, he pulls this thing out. Jesus does one more miracle before the resurrection. He slaps the guy's ear back on Tells Peter to chill out. Peter says, see, I told you I wouldn't deny you. No, he doesn't say that. Because in a little while, in a few hours, Jesus is going to be beaten, flogged. They're going to play games, they laugh at him while they're torturing him. And a little girl will come to Peter and, weren't you with, I don't know who you're talking about. And he does say all the things you want to say in traffic. The Bible does have people swearing. He calls down curses from heaven to swear that he never knew Jesus. Peter hasn't been restored. That happens in John chapter 21. We're in John chapter 20. It's the day of the resurrection. The disciples are confused, afraid, hiding in a room. It's hard to put the chronology of the events of the four Gospels together and know exactly what happened. Lots of scholars have tried, and one, a guy by the name of Shepherd, kind of goes like this. Uh, there's an earthquake, an angel descends, the stones rolled away, Jesus uh, is risen from the dead, the tomb is empty, it was just there in June with the group, still empty, Jesus is risen, amen? Mm -hmm. Tomb's empty, so your life doesn't have to be. He defeats death, so you can have life. But people are saying the body's been stolen, and there's, depends on what channel the news you watch, and some, there's resurrection for this, some, his body's stolen, and if you listen to the Jewish leaders, and if you listen to the disciples, and the disciples themselves don't even know, it's only been hours. About 6.35 in the morning, a woman, Mary Magdalene, goes to the tomb. She's probably the first there because she's the youngest. She probably ran ahead. The other women probably come on their two-mile hike from Bethany to there. A little while later, 
30 minutes. She sees the tomb's empty. She runs, she tells Peter and John. John, who humbly continually refers to himself in his own gospel, is the one whom Jesus loved. (laughs) So you're the one, the one guy that he loved. All right. Says that he and Peter found out at the same time and they had a foot race to the tomb. And John won. How humble of you, John, to share with us who won. So they both go and it's empty and then Mary apparently comes back, probably about 7.30, and mistakes Jesus for a gardener. And then goes and tells the disciples the message she's given, go to Galilee. At this point, it's about 8 o'clock at night. They have not gone to Galilee. They're locked in a room. It's important the doors are locked. They're hiding. They're afraid. Peter still has shame. Some of you haven't responded to the previous messages in this series because of shame in your life. I've got to get my marriage fixed. I've got to stop the sin. If people knew, then no one would send me. It's an interesting passage we're about to read. Just look at it with me. John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. Jesus is entering in. On the evening of that day, this is the first Sunday, there's about 40 days between the resurrection and his ascension, but on that day, the first day, it's first Easter, the first day of the week, it's a Sunday. Saturday was the Sabbath, that's the seventh day, this is a Sunday. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, here's why, for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among, that's interesting, them, and said to them, peace be with you. Hebrew greeting, shalom, standard greeting, but it's more than that. It's the gospel. Jesus is our peace in a world that lacks peace, Ephesians chapter 2. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. It's really you. Physical body. In Luke, he ate food. He wasn't a phantom. That's not how he ended up in the room. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, do you think? (laughs) Jesus said to them again, okay, it's being repeated, peace be with you. And then here's where we're going to focus, really this next word for the next two weeks. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. So how? We know why. We know why from our series. We've seen lots of verses on why. We've talked about where. But how? As the Father sent me. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his Son to condemn the world, John 3, 17. To save the world. Why? Pastor Jarrett Stevens. God loves lost. Coming after the lost, Luke 15. Well, Luke 19, verse 10 Jesus says about himself that he came to seek and save the lost. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, the Apostle Paul, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. So the rest of us, we're going for number two. But I received mercy, amen. For this reason... That in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. So even in your sin, he's made known. An example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. Jesus himself, in his first sermon at his home synagogue, sits down, opens the scroll, and reads from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61, the first part of the verse. That he came to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to declare the year when all the debts are forgiven. When everybody can walk in freedom, 
How did he do that, though? He did it by entering a foreign culture. A foreign culture. Those of you who like to take, take notes, that's our first point. He entered in to a foreign culture. That's our world here. And you know what the Bible says? That he left heaven, came to earth. God's unchangeable as God. In his character, his character never changes. But in John chapter 1, it says he became flesh as a human. He changed. He changed locations. He came from heaven to here. And it's pretty obvious to us that this is not his home. But when you come to Christ, do you know what the New Testament says? Peter Rochelle's message that we are his ambassadors. The Bible says, Philippians chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 13, that we as followers of Christ are not citizens of this place. For those of you who think that being an American is being Christian, one, you're wrong. Or that think that your house at whatever address I could say is your home. You're wrong. If you're a follower of Christ, this place is not your home. Problem, this place is really comfortable. At least for us in America. Some of you were tempted to not come to church today because you can't wear your pajamas to church. If you're online wearing your pajamas, love you. Come here next week. Maybe you have the nice, you know, full body onesie pajamas. We had a get together with some friends uh, that don't go to our church uh, the other day and a guy wore a onesie. I was like, is that like a European thing? What is that? He asked me to wear one to a soccer game. So who knows? All things to all men, they might save some. Some of you have silk pajamas. Do you know what they have to do? There's eight stages with a little worm in order for you to have silk pajamas. The effort it takes to take that worm, put it in a controlled environment, they only feed it mulberry leaves, and then they do all these different things to it, and this stuff comes out of its head. It's crazy science. Ask the scientist. But you got your silk pajamas on. You're sitting with your memory foam slippers, and you got your temperature-controlled bed with, like, maybe like my wife, you've got nine bazillion pillows. I'll grab like one of my wife's pillows. She's like, no, I need that one for my knees. Okay, can I have this? No, I hold that one. Do you want to hold me? We can't touch. I've got nine million pillows. It's like, I'll be over here in our king-size bed. Love you, babe. Guess I'll make lunch today, so. We get real, everything's on demand. Demand, On-demand shows, on-demand did you know that, I probably shouldn't even tell some of you this. Did you know you can rent a pet if you don't want to deal with them, but you like them to come and like just play with them for a few hours? You can rent a pet. You can, some of you lay on your couch and you're like, oh, Alexa, turn the TV station. Some of you are watching at home and you're like, you just ordered something. <laughs> you can't find the remote. You can just go, Alexa, order me a new remote. Drone, put it in my hand. Boom, yeah, there we go. I started watching a show with my kids the other day. And uh, everything's on demand. It's all these streaming things. They came in. My wife was in bed. They said, let's watch a show together. I'm like, all right, I want to spend time with you. So I picked a show I had already seen so that I knew it was okay for them to watch it. And so we start watching it. We watch two episodes, and they're hooked. They want to keep going. I'm like, I already know what happens. I'm going to bed. You can watch the rest of this episode, then you got to stop. The next day, I get home from work. They're on summer break. So we finished the show. I was like, there were, you losers. There's like eight episodes. You didn't do anything today. We watch TV all day. And then I try to tell them, when I was a kid, now they think I'm lying. There's no such universe in which you couldn't pause live TV, rewind it, or watch the next. I had to wait a whole week, I would tell them. They'd be like, no way, I had to watch the commercials. No! It's like persecution. 
Like we had this, the TV was big, it was like a piece of furniture. We had to gather together, and the only, you didn't even go to the bathroom, you just watched. And like, if you, rent, you missed something, then all your friends would know the next day at school, and you had to wait a whole week for the next episode. And if it was a cliffhanger, like they do on all these shows, it'd say, to be continued. I'm like, what? <laughs> Ours is like, skip intro, get into it, I'm gonna keep going. Mm-hmm. So, to be continued was really a thing. That's what's happening here, by the way. It's to be continued. For us to be sent is not, now we do our own thing, like figure out what we're supposed to do. No, Jesus had a mission to seek and save the lost. He came on mission to reconcile people to God. He did everything that we couldn't do, lived a sinless life, died the perfect death. He had to become human because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And he entered into our world, which was foreign for him, for many of us feels like home, but when you've been saved, rescued from your sin, you're given a new identity in Christ. And this place, even though you've never been to heaven, is not your home. Heaven is your home. Have you thought much about heaven? Pastor Chris mentioned it last week, but he didn't really talk about what the Bible says about it. He said it's not just floating around on clouds playing a harp, so then what is it? What's it like? And some of us have spent some time thinking about what it's like for us to leave here and go there. But I want to flip that on you and ask you, what was it like for Jesus to be there and come here? To enter into a foreign, that, that's comfort, by the way. This, not so much. And so what is heaven like? Well, in heaven, Jesus was receiving praise and glory and The book of Revelation is written by the same guy who writes the Gospel of John, but it's later in life. He's probably in his 90s, the Apostle John. He's been sharing the Gospel and boiled in oil, put on an island, Patmos, to live in isolation as an imprisonment. And while he's there, an unexpected meeting happens. Jesus shows up. Gives him a word to give to some of the churches that are not doing so hot. And then he opens up heaven and let them get a glimpse and he tells us about it some in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 I won't read the whole thing in fact in the Bible there are 276 times where the word heaven is used I've got several pages here but I won't read all of them to you one is Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12 where Jesus is receiving praise it says then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels what was that like Well, it was quite a chorus because it says numbering myriads of myriads. What does that mean? And thousands of thousands. It was a Jewish way of saying the number was uncountable. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. That's Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So he leaves that. And we know the Christmas story that he's born, and we oftentimes talk about no room in the inn, and there were animals, and can you believe it, and how humble. Yeah, for real. If I were God, and I were going to come in the flesh, I'm skipping puberty, much less being a baby. Middle school, for real? No, volunteering. Come on. But not only that, think about this as a baby. He wasn't an only child. He has sinful parents already. But then in his sovereign plan... He allows these sinful parents to have other kids. So hold up. In heaven, all the angels are singing to you. And on earth, you don't even have undivided attention of your sinful parents. Like, can you imagine as a baby, 
dependent, just like any other baby, couldn't talk, but is he thinking to himself, hey, I had an angelic choir. Can I get a pacifier over here? Somebody notice me. <laughs> so what's heaven like? And then they come here. Well, you can hear this verse and think, well, do we just sing all the time? I thought I wasn't just singing all the time. There's restoration. Uh, we know before the fall, and there was the Garden of Eden, perfect relationship between God and man, and man and creation, and God and creation, and then sin under the world, and it's all broken. And what we see is, in heaven, he restores it to what it should be. In Revelation chapter 21, it says this, then I saw, still John writing, a new heaven and a new earth for the, so he's making all things new, it's not just your heart, he's making all things new. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, the sea was no more, what? And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a bride. How was a bride prepared for this one unique moment? Beautifully, with great care, Prepared as a bride. John's trying to find the words, and there just aren't words. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. No hindrance, no obstacles, like in the garden. Hmm. It's beautiful. Uh, lots of verses I could read. I won't. You can go on in Revelation chapter 21, and you'll see that there's 12 entrances to the kingdom, and each gate has jewels on it. Some of the jewels, well, we don't even know what they are. Some of them, there's streets of gold. You've probably heard of that, but did you read that it says it's transparent? That's how pure the gold is? Try and picture that. In chapter 22, it says, the angel showed me a river. So there's no sea, but there is water. A river of water, of life. What's it like? Have you ever seen those brochures for vacations, Banff, Canada, or... Whatever that place is in Tahiti where there's like huts over the water and it's like super blue. The Bahamas, really blue water. I've seen lots of those pictures, but this? Bright as crystal. I've never seen that kind of water. And it's flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street where the streets of gold is translucent. There's water flowing through it. Also, on either side of the river, there's a tree of life. And this tree of life has 12 kinds of fruit and it yields its fruit each month. So there's still 12 months? Like, what's happening? The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Oh. But there's fruit. Is there candy? And some people will say, we don't just sing. Do we eat? Like, what do we do in heaven? We do eat. Matthew talks a lot about banquets and feasts. And you'll see in... Isaiah that, and Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 14, verse 25, truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now, some people will argue based on whatever your end times time frames are. Well, that's during the millennial kingdom. That's not heaven. Okay, here's a verse from Isaiah. He's talking about when death is swallowed up. He says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. What is that? What's on the menu? Well, he doesn't say, but he says this, a feast of well-aged wine. Sorry, Baptists. <laughs> and when things in the Bible are repeated, they're being emphasized, of rich food full of marrow of aged wine. So there's definitely wine. Some of you might be seminary students. You're visiting from the seminary in Wake Forest, and they make you sign a covenant that you're not allowed to drink. You can pass it to us. We'll take this wine. It's probably the best wine. I mean, we saw what Jesus did at a wedding, so here we go. There's lots of food verses, but you know what else is pretty awesome? There's a lot of food verses, but we get a new body. How about that? 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 40, there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Amen! It's not the same. Everybody over 40 should rejoice. The glory of the heavenly one is of one kind. The glory of the earthly is of another. And we don't have time to unpack 1 Corinthians 15, but you go through and it says, one experiences death, the other does not. One weakness, the other is power. It's a real body, though. Jesus has the scar on his side and marks on his but he somehow got into a room with locked doors to enter into their world. He's among them. Do you notice that? That he's among them, by the way? The doors are locked. It doesn't say he came in through the door. Uh, They're not all looking at him as he stands there to talk to them like you guys are looking at me right now. It'd be like if it was time for the sermon and I just sat in the middle of the room and they're like, he didn't show up. And I'm thinking, I didn't? (laughs) And if you ever wondered if Jesus is a practical joker, like any of you have those people in your life that they hide around a corner and they wait for you to come and they grab you so that you, ah, like whatever, you're like hairs flying out of your head or whatever. Some of you are looking at your spouse like he's talking about you and you're mad about it. Well, sometimes people ask the question, did Jesus ever laugh? And I think, how could you hang out with the disciples and not? And then Jesus has to have a sense of humor because think about what he does in this passage. The phrase is, he stood among them. So it's like they're in a group and they're talking and they're probably talking about, did he really raise from the dead? I wonder if Jesus stood there for a couple minutes like, "Hmm, did he? Hmm." Because apparently they didn't recognize him until he spoke. I would have been like, hey, it's me. But instead, he says, peace be unto you. Interesting. Not only is he among them in this room, he's among them in this world, and he's come from another world. There's animals there. Uh, one veterinary doctor I know that's executive pastor in South Carolina now gets asked oftentimes, will my dog or cat be in heaven? And he says, there are animals in heaven. Yours will not be there. It's too bad. But we know the Bible says there's animals in heaven. This is in Isaiah 11. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Talk about reconciliation of creation. Listen to this. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. They're hanging out together. All right. The calf and the lion and the fattened calf all together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. The bear's grazing with the cow. The bear just eat the cow. They're at peace. The young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. What? They don't eat people? We can hang out with them. Listen to this. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. The wean child shall put his hand on the adder's den. And it goes on. There's waters. There's new bodies. There's food. There's animals. There's a lot of stuff that there's not, too. There's one article that I read that goes through the no mores. There's seven no mores, just in Revelation chapter 21 22. I already read no more sea, Revelation 21 1. No more sea. There's no more death, Revelation 21 4. No more mourning, Revelation 21 4. No more weeping, no more pain, no more curse, no more night. And so we ask ourselves the question, what was it like for Jesus to leave there and come here? Well, all the no mores are the opposite here. There is pain. Hmm. And so we see a Savior who knew what it was like to get tired. To be abandoned and betrayed, emotional pain. To be flogged, physical pain. To be mocked, relational These are the people he came for that are mocking him. Hmm. No more pain, no more night. Huh, that's interesting because God's there. There's no sun or moon, there's God. He is the temple, he is the light. I mean, read those verses. But Jesus is arrested at night and illegal. 
arresting. He hasn't violated any crimes, and they come at night because he even says, why, why are you coming to me now at night? Taught in the temple. There'll be no more. So he comes to a place where there's secrets, and there's hiding, and there's night, and there's darkness. Not just physical darkness, but obviously in their hearts. He's the light of the world, John 1. Not just that the word became flesh, but the light came and dwelt in the darkness, but his own people did not receive him. John 1, 10 through 12. And he experienced that. Weeping? Oh yeah, Lazarus' funeral. But that's a silent cry, the word that's used there. Pastor Dave, a couple weeks ago, preached what Jesus saw when he looked at the crowds and spelunkna was the word that he's referring to when he said he was moved in their bowels. Jesus, as he looked at the crowds and he saw people like sheep without a shepherd, says when he looked over Jerusalem, he wept. That's a loud cry. There's no weeping. Now he's in a place of weeping. No crying. Now he's in a place of crying. Death? Now there's a cross. That's why he came to die. But we make this world so comfortable. How can we be sent as he's sent? (laughs) We're continuing his ministry you ever been to a hotel that's more comfortable than your home? <laughs> Some of us, that's what we've done here on earth. And that's why we shade our view of heaven like it's not that great because we got a really good here. So then to be told that we're being sent is foreign. Yeah, we're being sent into a foreign world. We are light and we're being sent into darkness. Is it a foreign world to you or is this place your home? Jesus entered a foreign place, but not just a foreign place, culture, world, he entered into lost lives. Just think about who's here and who he's talking to. And for Jesus to come to this place would be the equivalent of going on a short-term mission trip. We've talked about that in this series. We've sent teams out, Brazil, Panama, Madagascar. You heard today an interview about Madagascar. There's going to be trips next year. I'm curious. How many of you here have ever been on a short-term mission trip? Raise your hand. Anywhere. Anywhere you've been. Okay. The great thing about that is you know you're coming home. I remember the first short-term mission trip I went on was in Jamaica. I was a college student, had never even left the country before. Here's what I learned from that. Lots of spiritual lessons, but if they tell you don't drink the water, don't drink the water. I was there day one. We're doing construction. I'm the runner of concrete. That's the guy who has no skill, but we're going to make you do a bunch of stuff. And so I've got a wheelbarrow, and I go and get the concrete. They mix it up. Then I run it to the people who know how to do concrete, dump it out, and just keep going back and forth. Well, they had a hose into the wheelbarrow, and I thought to myself, I'm hot, I can get more done, I'm here to serve these people, just put a little bit of my head to cool off. Then eventually I'm like, I'm just going to drink a little bit. That night, for dinner, I'm going through the buffet line, and I grow through the soup, and I look at the soup, and a talon comes out of it. Who knows what that was? I don't know, a raven? I don't know. Skipped that. Instead, ate the mystery meat. The next day, I can't move. They said it's because of the water. I'm like, I don't know. There was a talon. But it's only going to be a couple weeks, and I'll be back home. I've led some trips since then. You go into any foreign culture, and it's different than here, whether they drive on the wrong side of the other side of the road or speak a different language. They have different customs. I've led a few trips to Israel. You know, there was a trip that we just took at the beginning of June with a group of about 55 people from our church. And every trip's different. I always tell any trip that I'm leading anywhere international, tour trip, mission trip, doesn't matter. Be flexible. 
This is not about you. And even if it gets really bad, you'll be home in a couple weeks. Last trip I was on, not the one that just happened in June, but before that, COVID broke out. That wasn't part of the plan. Be flexible. Just get home two weeks of flatten the curve. Uh Uh-huh, yep, okay. We'll see about that. This time, we had a guide who wasn't Jewish. He was Palestinian, and we got to go to some places I hadn't been before. Now, my experience had always been that when they tell you that there's a dress code, I look at my wife like, that applies to you, but not to me. (laughs) Sorry, ladies, it's just how it works. They say you've got to cover yourself. Ladies, I don't blanket. Just wrap yourself up, all right? I'll be wearing a tank top and shorts over here. No big deal. Well, one night, we're going out, and it wasn't the whole team. We're with our family, and we're walking to the Western Wall, and there's this big plaza to go into, and there's some people standing that are stopping folks from going in, and they let me just walk in. And then one of my daughters is wearing a pair of shorts. They stop her. She can't go in. And they just start saying to her, because they don't really speak English, for your pleasure, legs. And I'm thinking, that's inappropriate, but you're a woman. Okay. I don't think you know what you're saying. I think what she meant was, if you want to enjoy the plaza, you've got to wrap your legs. Okay, so she gives her a scarf, she wraps around her legs, doesn't say anything to me. The day comes, we're supposed to take our whole team there in the middle of the day, and I know it's going to be like 90 degrees. I'm like, I'm wearing shorts, who cares? Well, we get to go, because we had a Palestinian guide, up to the Temple Mount. You know, see the gold dome? And I'd never been up there before. Well, it's Muslim-led. They want everybody wrapped up. So I had to wear a dress that day. Are you a picture? I am. Pastor Danny will like it. It's a Green Bay Packers color there. I think that's so that make sure I'd give it back. And Pastor Dave and Paul Humphreys, one of my good friends, a member of our church. Neither one of those two are here today, so I thought I could show that picture. I didn't expect that. But who cares? Once we're off the temple, I'm going to take it off. I don't. You can go and tell people, Pastor, that church wears a dress. Okay, whatever. It's kind of true. But when we were done, I wasn't going, this is cute. Can I keep it? Like, here you go. The canvas Green Bay Packers dress is yours. Probably my most uncomfortable but favorite missions trip or foreign trip I've ever been on was Madagascar the second time. The first time I went was really not a trip. I mean, I flew there and all those things, but we were in the rainforest. I was speaking to missionaries from all over the place. The second time I went, we went out of the bush. That's what Caden was talking about. Did you even know you could go clubbing for Jesus? Jesus! That's awesome. Kind of went through that pretty quickly, but... None of those people had ever even heard of Jesus until one guy who's one of my spiritual heroes, Grant Wallers, our first missionary Southward Jefferson out, entered into their world. The first time I had been there, I was preaching to these missionaries, and I remember sitting down with Grant, and he's like, I haven't shared the gospel with these people yet. I found them, we've met. I don't know how they're going to respond. So we prayed about it, and then a revival broke out. Hundreds, probably thousands of people had come to Christ by the time we came back the second time. So I wanted to see it. I went with my friend as an elder, JD, and his son, and my wife, and we get there, we spend the uh, first couple days in what they would call a city. We wouldn't call it a city. Um, not really roads, and there are some structures. But then we're going to go out into the bush. And so we're driving. We drive for about an hour. I look at Grant. We're in a land cruiser, which, yes, our missionaries drive land cruisers. Some of you may have a land cruiser out in the parking lot. They actually need it. They're not going to Harris Teeter, and they're going to buy, like, a lot of groceries. Like, they need the 4 by 4 they got a snorkel on it. It's not to look cool. It's in case their car gets submerged. However... I did think to myself, so the missions agency can afford a land cruiser, but not air conditioning? Are you kidding me? Because we drive for about an hour, and I'm like, are these, is this the bush? And he's like, he laughs. He goes, no, we're still on roads. I'm like, these are roads, okay. 
And he goes, this is like four more hours once we hit no roads. And the only reason it's only four hours is because there's been a drought and we'll be driving through a riverbed. Huh? So we start going. And he needed a Land Rover. It was, the, it was way worse than a boat ride. No air conditioning. I looked at him and I said, how did you find these people? No wonder they're lost. No one can find them. <laughs> we stopped at the two-hour mark so people could throw up. And they did. Not a bathroom break. Like, go, throw, go vomit. Get back in the car. Here we go. And Grant's just like, wimps. Okay, here we go. And when we get there, he says, you want to ride with me? I got to go eight more hours to get some pastors bring them back to where you guys are at because you'll never make it out there. I was like, sure. I go into the room they have for us, which they built for Grant bringing people out there. And I'm like, where's the shower? And Shannon says, there's a bucket behind that little half wall. I'm like, excuse me? Whatever it is, only two weeks. Goats pooping in the dirt, and then we sit there for church. Jesus showed up. You know why? Because Grant had entered in to their world. It wasn't his world. How he had ever experienced in his life. But he entered into theirs. He didn't tell them how they had to become American. He told them about Jesus. And Jesus showed up. And if you know Jesus, then Jesus entered into your world. Maybe through a Sunday school teacher, maybe through a coach, maybe through a friend, a spouse, a neighbor, somebody, or you don't know Jesus. And he says, as the Father sent me, he left heaven, came here. He didn't just come into their world, he entered into their lives, into Peter's boat, to Max, uh, Matthew's tax collector's booth. Martha and Mary and Lazarus are upset that Jesus doesn't come when Lazarus is sick because he stays in our home. Simon, the Pharisee's house, they had a meal and he grabs the face of the woman who has a reputation and talks about her forget. He enters in to the woman at the well and tells her about her husbands. He gets in their life. Do you get into the life? Not do you know lost people? Not do you work with some? Not even have you had some to your house? Have they had you to theirs? Trying to reach your kids for Jesus. Some of you, you're expecting them to be mature like you are as a 40-year-old. Remember 13. Enter theirs. It's lit, slapping. And if you do that, then they'll never talk to you. Trust me. But Paul says, I become all things to all people that I might save some. Everyone in this room wants whoever disagrees with them politically to change their mind. So you banter on social media. Has anyone ever changed their mind from that, by the way? You offend people, and the people who already agree with you think it's funny, but... What if we listened instead of bantered? Ask questions. Probably a lot more in common than we realize. I was with some friends at their house. They had had me over for a meal a couple weeks ago and they don't yet know Jesus. They're interested. I told them, I said, you guys have a great marriage. It's better than most of the people in my church. Which is weird because God invented that thing. Huh. But you want them to vote different. Maybe they just need Jesus, and then he can work that stuff out. And gay people, easy for us to joke about gender confusion and things like that. And there's memes. No one's ever changed their mind from a meme that I'm aware of. Again, offensive to those who disagree and funny to those who agree. What if we had less memes and more meals together? They invited you into their house? It's not so you can talk about who they're having sex with, but maybe Jesus? There's a pastor's wife in Durham who at one time was a professor at Syracuse, a liberal lesbian. Now she's a pastor's wife in Durham, loves Jesus, talks about repentance. 
because a pastor invited her into his home and shared the gospel. It wasn't the pastor she married. Enter in the lost lives. But it gets messy. To tell you about that, to be continued next week. But I promise you it'll take you out of your comfort zone. Just think about who Jesus appears to here in this passage. We don't know everyone who's in that room. Peter's there. Thomas isn't. Some of the women probably there. Maybe, maybe Zacchaeus was there. We don't know. Think about who Jesus could have gone to. He could have, if I was Jesus and I had raised from the dead and Pilate was just trying to get out of this whole deal but didn't, had me flogged to appease the crowd, then his wife says, don't have anything to do with them. I'd be like, should have listened to your wife. Here I am. Alive. Or Caiaphas said, we better kill him or everybody's going to follow him. Hey, how'd that work out, Caiaphas? Let's see what happens now and for the next couple thousand years. Maybe I'm too much of a smart aleck. I don't know. Hey, what's up, Herod? You wanted a miracle? I'm here. It's not who he goes to. This is John chapter 20. Peter's still in sin. He has not repented and turned from his denial of Jesus. Hasn't been restored. That happens in John chapter 21. And he was told to go to Galilee. He hasn't gone. He's still in Jerusalem hiding behind locked doors. Just like when he was scared of that little girl. In shame. That's why some of you haven't done what you've heard in the series already because of your shame, because of your fear. And Jesus doesn't rebuke their fear. He doesn't condemn their shame. Still in sin. Peter's still about to go back to his old way of life. He does it. Jesus knows that. Jesus says words of grace. Peace be unto you. And again, peace be unto you as the Father sent me, so I send you. That's what he's saying to you today. And Peter's life, every time he wants to be close to Jesus, it seems like he has to get uncomfortable. For some of us, our comfort is what's hindering our closeness to Jesus. Throw your net on the other side. You think I haven't tried that, Jesus? Okay. Oh, there's a bunch of fish. Leave your business uncomfortable. Drop your nets. Come follow me. I did it, I, was all, I said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living, but you can't go down. Get behind me, Satan. Whoa, it's kind of uncomfortable you're confronting me. Triggered, I don't like that. It's for your good, Peter. You're going to deny me. Not me, didn't you see? I cut that guy's ear off. When you turn back, strengthen the brothers. I'm going to use you. Start the church, even in your sin, even in your mess. But you come to me. There's a situation where he gets real uncomfortable. It's in Matthew chapter 14. It's a popular story, and we'll end with this. And the worship team, you can come now. There's a storm. Jesus is not in the boat. It's on the Sea of Galilee, where they're supposed to be, um, not where they are right now. And as I mentioned, I led a trip uh, to Israel. We went on the Sea of Galilee. We went on a boat. We danced. We had a great time. It was a fun. Sorry, Baptist. You can watch if you're a Baptist and you want to come. But, um, we had a great time. It was awesome. And sang songs and then ate fish after we got off the boat. And, uh, Pastor Chris was here last week and he asked me, he's like, what was it like? I was like, oh, it was awesome. I did a devotional. I turned to the captain of the boat. I said, do the waves ever get big here? And he said, yeah. Last December, there were waves 12 feet high. It's a lake. It's not like the ocean. 12 feet high. Flooded the hotels. The storms come suddenly because of the mountains and all that stuff. And Chris said, yeah, there was a storm when we were there. We went in not that December, but in December. It was cold and raining. I was what was that like? He goes, spiritually, awesome. Logistically, terrible. I wanted off that boat. Peter's in a storm in that boat. We don't know if the waves are 12 feet high. 
they're big and they see Jesus walking on water, but they don't know if it's Jesus. And the Bible says they think it's a phantom or a ghost. And Peter says, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come. Which, hold on, Peter, if it's a phantom, you think he's an honest phantom? Because if I was a ghost, I'd be like, it's me, just to watch. Blunk, <laughs> you did it. But it is Jesus. It's an unexpected encounter. And do you realize that Jesus doesn't ask Peter to get out of the boat? Peter asked to be close to Jesus. He said, if it's you, tell me to come. Jesus doesn't say, would you please? He just, come. He's responding to Peter's request. It's uncomfortable. As long as he's focused on Jesus, he's doing okay. When he's not, not so good. Your comfort might be the very thing that's hindering you from closeness. Your fear, the enemy of walking by faith. Your shame might be the secrets that are keeping you in isolation. Your religion might be the thing that's hindering you from coming to Christ. He goes to prepare a place for you. There's rewards for you. The only way you get there is through him. He's the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. His invitation to you today, I think, is the same as it was to Peter on the water. Come. The same as at the end of that book that talks so much about heaven, Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. All who are thirsty, come. Some of you are worn out because you've been doing a lot of stuff in the name of God by your own strength without the Holy Spirit. And Jesus talks about that. All who are weary and burdened, come. I'll give you rest for your soul. I'm going to challenge you today to come to Jesus. You don't know Jesus? Come to him for salvation. You know Jesus? Come to him to step out of your comfort zone. Come to him for rest. Come to him to deal with your fear. Come to him to overcome your shame. But I got to clean up. Nope. He is your peace. There is no condemnation. He came to save, not to condemn. Just come. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Even at home, bow your heads and close your eyes. If you want to trust Jesus as your Savior, acknowledge your need to be rescued like Peter when he was sinking in the water in this world in this life you know there's more but you can't find it it's him you don't have to find him he's coming looking for you and the fact that you're even thinking about it is evidence he's working in your heart what would stop you today from coming to Jesus come is my invitation to you you come to him by saying I need help I need to be rescued acknowledge your sin your need to be saved from your sin from wrath from eternity separated from heaven. Everyone doesn't go there. Only those who are in Christ. Oh, and there's food and there's animals. The best thing is Jesus is there. He's preparing a place for those who know him. Saying, you, if it's you, and heaven is your home. Maybe you've gotten so comfortable here, you're not sure you want to walk by faith. Will you come to Jesus and ask him to strip away those things? Do you have the courage to ask for intimacy, closeness, to actually be connected? Not have it be a slogan on a wall at your church, but to be connected to Jesus and see a spiritual transformation that leads to us sharing the gospel, gospel saturation. Do you have that transformation? God, speak. Speak to hearts. Give rest to weary souls. People who think they've got to fix their marriage before they can be used, help them know you want them today, right now, as they are. And you'll do the work you desire to do. People who think they need to stop a sin, yeah, you want them to repent from, but there's other sin. There's more, they don't even know about all their sin. And 
just today, come, come, come to Jesus. In a minute, I'm going to say amen, conclude this prayer. I'll say in Jesus' name because I believe that Jesus would pray for your salvation, pray for your sanctification, pray for your transformation, pray for your being sent out. If you want to come to him, you can come up here to the stage and, and kneel down. We're talking, about, we're talking about entering in. That's a movement type language. We're talking about coming to Jesus. There's something about physically moving. And we've not done that as much since COVID, but you want to come here and pray, you come pray. No one will mess with you. You just kneel down at the stage. If you want to pray with a person, elders, deacons, prayer counselors will be off on the walls, male and female. You just go to the person you want to talk to. I'll be over there. I'd love to pray with you. You can tell, but don't have to tell me anything. We'll just pray. Pray for lost people, you know. Pray for you. Pray for your burdens. Pray for sin. But you come. Pray these things in the name of Jesus because I think it's what Jesus would say. It's true. Amen. Thanks for listening to sermons from Southbridge Fellowship in Raleigh, North Carolina. If you have a question about the message you just heard, email us at info at sfchurch.com. For additional resources or service information, visit us at sfchurch.com.